I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. You're listening to Muses and Stuff, the podcast that celebrates those who live, love, and breathe rock and roll. From the incredible groupies, girlfriends, and wives who went after what and who they wanted, to the journalists, photographers, and other behind-the-scenes characters who play such an important part in rock and roll history. We are your hosts, Shanti and Lynx. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? I'm great. Happy to do another episode, another like unusual, fun one. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see where this one goes. So this is going to be kind of an experimental episode mm-hmm. in the sense that I don't have as many notes. Yep. It's going to be a little bit different. It's from a different perspective. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll just see where we go with it. And I thought because it's a bit of an experimental episode that in case people are joining us for the first time ever, because that yeah. happens, oh, yeah. where all of a sudden this is the episode that people are going to start listening. This is number one because maybe they found a specific hashtag that they've been looking yeah. for because they really like this person that we're doing. So let me introduce myself. My name is Shanti. Yeah, I'm Lynx. And this is our podcast, which is called Muses and Stuff. So we talk about muses and also stuff. Yeah. Mostly music related. Absolutely. And so we tell the stories of like our backstage movers and shakers. Mm-hmm. Our girlfriends, our wives. And sometimes even mothers. Mothers? Yeah. So, yes. Mothers, muses, groupies, sisters. And in this episode today, we're going to be talking about Pete Doherty. Or I know that I think if you're from 
London or from England. Um, it's pronounced Doherty. Peter Doherty. So Pete Doherty. Um, and uh, it's based on a book called Pete Doherty, Pete Doherty, mm-hmm. My Prodigal Son, Every Mother's Nightmare, A Child <laughs> Off the Rails by his mother, Jacqueline Doherty. I, I'm so curious what his thoughts are on this book. Like, was he okay with it being written? Okay, so definitely I'll be able to address this question. Let me just say that we are recording this episode in advance because when it airs, it's going to be the 20th of June. And where will you be? I'll be in England. So what do you think you're doing on the 20th of June in England? Oh, my goodness. I think that's like our first day where we're just free to do whatever we want so you last night you saw the rolling stones and the night before that you saw pearl Pearl jam Jam. yeah and now we're just like roaming the city and doing maybe some museums and i want definitely want to see the tate the british museum i got some like rock and roll related things that hopefully we'll be able to do and i'll post about those so yeah if you don't know we have a muses and stuff instagram account check Check the stories because i'm sure they're going to be amazing and just the feed itself Yeah, this is going to be good. I'm so excited <laughs> for you. So what did Pete think about this book? Um, hard to say. Mm-hmm. Probably just that it, I think anything associated with his mother at this time and probably in general had to do with a lot of pain. Yeah. Um, every time he was interviewed around this time and around this time I'm talking, this book came out in 2007. Okay. It's already 11 years old. Um, and a lot has changed with yeah. him since then. I mean, a lot and not. Okay. I've I've created a timeline that we can kind of talk about. Okay. And um, I know between the years, like 2002 and 2007, anytime his mom was mentioned in an interview, he would, or his family, he would become upset. Oh, okay. So I think that this episode is going to be interesting because again it's from a mother we've only ever done whenever well, really one other mother before and mm-hmm. that was agnes demarco mac demarco's mom Much, who is very different conti- very different she continues to i mean yeah very different in the sense like they're both very loving mothers um but agnes is just so bright and cheery and she's, she's so accessible she's the best. we still get to be in contact with her like regularly she's amazing and i can't wait that to actually visit her and meet her in person someday Jacqueline wrote this book kind of when everything was still going on with him. Yeah. Right? Like at the height of his drug addiction. Mm. Because, well, I guess 
he was he was the addiction was really lasting 2002 maybe even a little bit before that past 2007 when this book was written so there was no real happy ending at the end of this book there was no no way to wrap it up not really yeah and so i kind of was like okay so what's been going on with him because and the reason why i even care like the reason why i give a shit is because i was kind of obsessed with him Mm -hmm. in 2009 because he's that kind of celebrity he's that kind of artist he's that kind of musician that people and young girls and and even even she the mother like jacqueline mentioned not just young girls but like grown men young boys like everybody you're drawn to that was drawn to him so i first heard of pete and the libertines and baby shambles was in 2008 probably so by the time baby shambles was already thing a thing and he wasn't even really in the libertines anymore and then it was in 2009 that he started releasing his solo stuff and I thought that he was super hot, obviously. Mm-hmm. I was having this whole music renaissance in my whole, my own life. Really, like, discovering music and being like, holy shit. And going to shows. This is when I was living in Peterborough. And then I met a guy who kind of reminded me oh, of yeah. Pete. Because I was listening to, you know, the Libertines and Baby Shambles and then this band came to town and my friend drew was putting on shows at the time and he was like shanti and Corey, you have to let this band stay at your house this night i have to work matt has to work out of town so you have to go to the show you have to dance and then you have to let them crash at your house yeah and we were like we already have plans we're already going to see another show that night <laughs> and he's like just go and like help me out and you're gonna love them anyways so it was my back in MySpace time. Oh yeah, that uh, I looked on MySpace, and the lead singer of the band was like six foot three, just like Pete. Ooh. Had the exact same body type, yeah, almost the same kind of haircut, and it was like one of those Wayne's World moments where I was like, "He Sh- will be mine." Oh, I thought you were gonna say swing. <laughs> also, swing. <laughs> Is that Wayne's World? Yeah. She will be mine. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. She will be mine. Definitely. She will be mine. Oh, yes. She will be mine. Amazing. And so I then the two became sort of synonymous yeah. with one another. And neither of those situations were very healthy, mm. but it was a fucking fantasy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, oh I've been there. Oh, yeah. Well, you've been there. Oh, yeah. So what I didn't know was the word prodigal. As really? Like my prodigal son. Yeah. I thought it was a compliment. Oh. So somebody who is recklessly wasteful or extravagant. Mm-hmm. So somebody who's left the family home to lead their life in a reckless way. So you might wonder why she wrote the book. Why was it released in 2007? And you associate with people around him at that time as being like, just wanting to get something out of him because of his fame. Yeah. No, no, no. It wasn't like that at all. Okay. She's a very sweet woman. All right. And very loving and like kind woman. 
who just kind of wanted to set the record straight. Okay. So very much like a lot of our other episodes when a lot of the times it's just like correcting things that have been getting your voice out there yeah she definitely got to have her voice out so why she wrote it she you know one of the things she said was it's bomb to a hurting heart like b-a-l-m like bomb it's bomb to a hurting heart i hope this book does the same for aching hearts everywhere Mm -hmm. so she really wanted to raise addiction issues in society she was a nurse yeah oh yeah so she just wanted to clear up some things like when pete would talk to the press he would have a tendency to lie about a lot of stuff and one of the things that he lied about a lot was his upbringing Mm. so he would say things like you know we traveled a lot because it was military family which it was but then he'd say things like but i lived with my father and the social workers and like that is the farthest thing from the truth I see. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely, like, the first time that I ever heard of him was uh, the Baby Shamble song, Fuck Forever. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm so clever. So I'm pretty sure his drug problem started happening in 2002. Yeah. Um, and I remember in 2009 watching this thing on YouTube called 24 Hours with Pete Doherty. Have you seen that? No. It's insane. Oh my goodness. Okay. It is by MTV. Okay. It's in like five parts and they're trying, the end is to try to get him to this like catwalk show that they've put on. Okay. And it's him showing a little TV crew around his like little English manor, mansion-y type of house. (sighs) (laughs) I thought it was hilarious at the time. Yeah. I loved it. Okay. And you could tell that he's like messed up, but it was funny. Yeah. But... As his mom will go on to say, he used to be a very funny child Mm. and he became funny as he got older, but not in the funny ha-ha way. I got you. In the like, oh my God. Yeah, I can't believe this. Like, that is too funny. Yes. His mom started to become concerned about him when at Christmas uh, he was wearing a vest and jeans because he usually loved wearing a cravat waistcoat and trousers and a crisp white shirt with an Oscar Wilde air about him. Oh. Yeah. I'm wearing my Oscar Oscar Wilde shirt. Yeah. (laughs) So very much like that's the vibe that he wanted to get off and then he just like she could just tell something was off with him. He was always really close with his family. So like I said about his mother, she served in the army as a nurse and she was from Liverpool. Another one. Yeah. Amazing. Um so the family was close. She said like she talked about everything with her kids. She made sure to never have a dishwasher in the house because that's when they would get the closest. Is oh. when they would do the dishes together even into the adolescence. That's when they would have like their big talks. And so the book was a lot sadder than I expected. Mm. I didn't expect so much grief. 
grief. Yeah. So it was kind of, yeah. Heavy. It was. It was. Um, Between 2002 and 2007, when the book was written, he had been in six rehabs. Wow. And none of them had really, like, worked out. Yeah. Um, In 2003, Pete had a son named Mm -hmm. Estelle with a woman named Lisa Moorish, who was from the band Kill City. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But he was like off the rails at this point. Um, so his mom was living in Holland because they were always stationed to different places for the army. But she would like travel as often as possible back to London to try and like help him out and get a get a hold of everything as his fame was growing. Like it became even more and more difficult mm. because all of a sudden people were he was surrounded by people constantly. So this book is very much like it kind of brought me down a couple of notches because I remember being like in my late teens and idolizing this guy. He actually won Hero of the Year Award in an enemy wow. thing at around this time when really like you find out that this family is suffering. Her marriage is suffering like and they're a strong family. Mm. She says that when she visited him there seemed to be hundreds of friends around and she didn't want to make like a big deal out of it because she didn't want to push herself out of his life. Of course. She'd go to a lot of his gigs. Oh, she good. really supportive, supported him. His sisters would go to the gigs as well. Um, but she said this. Watching my sick child become the focus of adulation from fans provokes, therefore, a range of feelings. On one hand, I was to say, I wanted to say, please leave him alone because I don't want this adulation to cause him any more harm. It can't be good to anyone in the grip of addiction with a court case over his head to be getting the message, we love you, therefore your behavior is okay. And on the other hand, I suppose I'm always hoping that he may meet with a fan that has come through the same ordeals as him and so could provide a solution. Mm. So she wrote about how when she saw people talking to him after the show, everyone hanging on to his next word, like he seemed so lost and lonely. So uh, the book is full of a lot of confusion because she doesn't get why he got there because there was no big trauma. There was no neglect. There was like he he never wanted without or is like that. The yeah. Saying? Do yeah. You, know? you always try to find that like moment in your life. But sometimes there's not like some specific thing that triggers, you know, what happens next. Yeah. So we'll go back a little bit and we do get a glimpse of him as a child. Um, She's not surprised that he did become famous and that so many people end up loving him and and loved him and still do love him um, because he was kind of the same way as a child. He had a range of friends. He was very popular. Um, he loved his grandparents. Uh, he had... He must his... have been so adorable as a kid. Well, yeah. Like, look at him. And the pictures in this book are, are adorable. He is adorable. And he had that baby face as he got... Yeah, look through it. He got he had that baby face as he grew older, too. So he was very close oh, to yeah, his grandparents. <laughs> the baby pictures are so cute. Nanny Liverpool and Nanny London. Yeah. And his mom really, like, curtailed her own career to be home with the kids and really believed that being home with them was, like, particularly important. Mm -hmm. She says, we didn't have any spare money, but we had a lot of love and time. Yeah. It's like, I totally get that. We were the same way. For sure. For sure. 
Um, she writes that there's an old Jesuit saying, give me the child at seven and I'll show you the man. Hmm. Which like, I get that. I think about who I was at seven or who my brothers were at seven and they very much have those characteristics of who they are today. But in his case, he was very, very far removed. She says, at seven, Peter was a happy soul, a joy to have in the family, articulate, funny, knew the difference between right and wrong, a mother's dream, an avid reader, was at liberty. Ooh. At 24, and so at like the time that she's writing it, Pete's in his early to mid-20s, maybe. Wow. He was young oh, yeah. when he got fame, and then when his addiction was in like full-blown full at 24 peter was a troubled soul a cause for great concern for the family inarticulate and fragile funny but not haha type of funny the line between right and wrong had become blurred a mother's nightmare yet remained an avid reader was imprisoned so again like that whole thing about like haha funny there's a part where in the 24 hours with Pete Doherty that uh, the reporter, the MTV person is like, we heard that there's uh, cat's paws uh, up on, like there's there's marks of cat's paws up on the wall. And he's like, oh yeah, like I'll show you the cat's paws. <laughs> and then he brings her into the room and then there's just like these paw prints and there's cats everywhere. Okay. There's cats everywhere. When they're, like, looking around this sty, this actual, like, pig pen of a mansion. Wow. Yeah. And he's, like, they're, like, how did the paws get up the ceiling? And he's, like, oh, you know, the cat just goes up the wall. He's, like, like, actually, I I might have done that just like that. How did those cat's paws get up the wall? Oh, my goodness. All right. Yeah. And uh, there's another clip of they walk into a room and they're like, what's this room? And he's like, well, the cats have taken over it. Oh, God. Which explains the flies. Have you ever seen Grey Gardens? Yeah. It's this documentary. It's an amazing documentary, but it's like this mother and daughter who are related to the Kennedys. And they're they're amazing, but uh, their place his, which once was this beautiful mansion is now just taken over by cats and raccoons and everything you can possibly think of. and like they don't clean up after like they run the household I'm just imagining I'm imagining that right now but I remember watching that and being like that's so romantic it's it's interesting what especially when you're younger like what you think just like with you know addiction and stuff it's it is, especially in the rock and roll world, sort of romanticized, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so wild that you mentioned that. Because speaking of that, I noticed that earlier you were looking at this book. It's yeah. a total coincidence that I have this book sitting out, which is called Rock Bottom, Dark Moments in Music Babylon Miss by B. none other Pamela DeBar. So Pamela, actually, I think this is one of her lesser known books. Yes, for sure. She wrote this whole book on all of these dark moments dark moments in music history which mm-hmm. usually cause like the death so like she's a chapter on john bonham she is a chapter on mark bolan yeah jamie janice yeah. like they're Sid all vicious. Kurt, Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Like, it's a great book 
Pamela, if you can find it. You, like Graham Parsons, like yep. Fallen Angel. Morrison. She's always so ahead of all of this. But essentially, Pete's mom looked through a lot of this kind of stuff as well. She tried to read the most like autobiographies and biographies as she could. She tried to like understand. Yeah. And she like still couldn't understand because he was a wonderful and happy and bright child. Mm-hmm. Um, as a teenager, he never missed school. He was in really good health. Um, he always had the lead parts in school plays. They would go on vacations together. They explored. They went out to dinner once a week. Um, like the kids could always choose the restaurant. Um, it's kind of sad that she's like looking back and just being like, what? Maybe like, what did I do or what? She, yeah. Like, totally. how did this happen? Like, I thought I did my son right and all this, but it's not. It's yeah. Not about that. She never thought that she'd have a child of hers that would do anything illegal. Yeah. You know, like she talks about the time that he went to prison after stealing from Carl Barrett. It was broadcasted all over the news and like the shame that Ugh. it brought the family. Mm. She says, it's difficult to articulate how much we suffered as a family at that time. My head was full of emotions ranging from anger and wanting to give him a piece of my mind to complete compassion and wishing to hold him and reassure him that everything would be all right. Mm. It's like, I get that, you know, like I have brothers and, you know, when one of them gets in trouble or whatever, you, you feel for them. You're mad at them. You feel for them. And you're like, but he's a good boy. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, reporters would be calling his grandparents, pretending to be like friends or part of his recovery team to try to find out where he was. That is so heartbreaking. Like that's so evil. How, yeah. How could I could never be like a paparazzi or a reporter or something? No, like that his with. and and Jacqueline like wrote letters to some of the reporters or like would talk to some of them on the phone and like some of them like apologized or like even one young girl was like started crying she's like i'm sorry this is what they wanted me to do oh god yeah um like because so many things were written about them you know the sisters couldn't get away from that doherty name oh yeah um wow yeah uh can i see the book for a second actually i have uh bookmarked it's a really cute picture of him at 16 in there (gasps) that's exactly what oh that's so funny because that's exactly what i thought too uh yeah i definitely had a thing for pete back in the day as well he's just beautiful he is just a and a poet yeah exactly um i have a whole book of his poetry he lent it to me yeah yeah the big brown book yeah Yeah. it's great weirdly enough to bring it back Remember the guy I was telling you about that kind of looked like him Mm -hmm. and was kind of like punky and tall and beautiful? Like when he left my house once, I had found a letter later that he'd written to me and he'd put it in that book. Like, wow. He, He read your mind. Yeah. So this is the letter. Greetings from Dorset. It is with a saddened and anguished heart that I write this letter. I have nothing against you personally. You are probably a rather nice young lady. I am just another mother who has had the most awful 18 months. And I ask you to think how you would feel if your mother had been exposed like that. In truth, your article was not unkind, just very untrue. I was severely misquoted and the quotes taken out of context. It has caused considerable distress to me and to members of my family. I am a small, private person and am trying to maintain my my dignity throughout what's going on around me. I have, to my knowledge, never done anyone any harm, only aspired to serve my fellow man and to treat people as I'd like to be treated. 
I've worked hard all my life, and I do not deserve to be lied about or misquoted. We cannot fight you in a courtroom, and we desperately try to protect our anonymity. But I appeal to you as a human being, please consider what you, as a hungry journalist, are able to inflict on others by the touch of your typewriter. Mm. So she actually never sent that letter, but... Those were things that she wanted people to hear. And then, you know, by writing this book, she did get that little bit out. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So she says that the way that she used to cope through everything was through crying. She says that, but if anybody suffered the most, it was Pete's father. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. She says, I've learned that although I can't hide my secret shame, it's there for all the world to see and ridicule me on. And although I have suffered indignities that cannot be imagined, I feel that in my pain, I have been able to help other people in a way that I never thought possible. As a result of the whole world knowing my son as Britain's worst drug addict, I cannot hide. Seriously, he had that reputation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just like Amy Winehouse, you know, everyone knew it wasn't like... It wasn't something hidden away or anything. It was, like, regular on the news. Yeah. And, like, I'm not surprised that he became famous because of his talent, Mm -hmm. you know, meeting Carl. But also she says, like, and and my brother was the same way. Some people cameras just flock to. Mm. Right? Yeah. Uh, Some people are just lucky. Yeah. Like your friend. And some people, like, the cameras will just always go for them first. Yeah. And so he was one of those people. He would always be in front of the cameras. Um, once when he was 16 and staying with a school friend um, at his family's Mediterranean home, she called to ask him like how he was doing, what was going on. And he said he had just had dinner with the president of the country he was visiting. Wow. Just by chance. Wow. Uh, I think you will get a kick out of this. He was a big fan of the Queens Park Rangers football club and made his own fanzine. So his own fanzine, and it did well, actually. People were sending him letters from all across the country. And then oh soon God. enough, he was invited to the director's box where the team was based. He was a zine maker. Yeah. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, after his A-levels in 1997, it was time for him to leave home, and he went to London where he met Carl Barrett, mm-hmm. uh, who was friends with his older sister, Amy Jo. Oh. time has come and they said it would never come for you oh, oh, oh. oh my friends you haven't changed you look here up and living strange and i know so having said a lot about his childhood his mom says that he would lie to reporters and about his childhood and this would really hurt her um she's read all kinds of books about addiction like i said on Jimi hendrix on janice and says it is irrelevant to me that other musicians have trodden this path before because everybody's story is different. This makes no difference to a mother's heart. It certainly doesn't ease the pain. Hmm. Yeah. His sisters were having a hard time because every time they wanted to visit their brother, they'd have to share him with so many people. Yeah. Yeah. Many hangers on. Yeah. And speaking of hangers on, uh, Jacqueline tells a story where a 17 year old girl was attempting to meet Peter. Oh, no. And uh, ended up, I don't know, they ended up coming into contact. Oh, no. 
Because probably if people tried to track down the mother first, right? Like to get to... Yeah, where where are they? Mm-hmm. And so Jacqueline ended up chatting with her and told her that Peter was really sick and that she shouldn't lavish her attention on someone who was really ill. That's like... Like stalker level almost. Yeah, and he had a lot of those. Yeah. A lot of those. So she finishes with... Mine is a mother's tale. If you were looking for sleaze and shocking stories, then this has not been the book for you, and I'm sorry if it has left you feeling cheated. Hmm. But I am hoping that you may just have been able, through my simple story, to understand a little of what goes on behind the headlines that you read. Peter may never become a pennant prodigal. He may never turn from his present lifestyle and may never have true peace in his heart. He may never know the forgiveness of God, but whilst I have breath in my body, I shall continue to pray for him, whether he wants me to or not. Until then, he'll remain Peter the drug addict, Peter the prisoner, Peter the errant father, Peter the poet, Peter the prolific writer, Peter the singer, Peter my prodigal son. It must be so tough to like you raise a kid, you do everything you can. And then at some point, like you do have to let go. And like, no matter what they do in life, like that's not your life anymore. That's not your you can be there for them. You can, you know, make sure that they know you're reliable and everything, but they're going to make the choices that they make. And yeah. And that's what she had said. Like, you know, being a nurse, she knows that no matter what she does yeah it's not her that makes the choice and it's not her but the wild thing is about this is that it's 2018 and pete's still alive yeah so we'll go through my timeline yes because and that's something like you never would have thought back in the day no 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 she had like drawn up documents for him to sign and he was like mom you think i'm gonna die don't you and she was like yeah yeah look what your situation is right now but he's not possible yeah do you know what he's up to these days no okay so i'll tell you please i mean it's not the happiest story but we'll start kind of again a little bit from the beginning Mm -hmm. and then um i'll tell you what he's up to and probably add a few things in there that you didn't know that i didn't even know so the libertines were formed in 1997 but hit it big in 2002 with up the bracket yeah. So he's asked to leave the band in 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, Baby Shambles formed in 2005. And then they had two albums down in, how do you pronounce it? Albion? Albion? Sounds good. And then Shotter's Nation, which I listened to those two albums a lot. In 2009, he released Grace Wastelands, which was just him. And I loved that album, actually. It's good. So it was interesting because I listened to that in real time when it came out. Oh. But- you did look dapper in your mother's old green scarf with your famous auntie all these trousers on you slap by that slapper now we all laugh she loved the loudest song in 93 charm the beach knees off the beach cheeky insane we all fell around in 2007-2008, Roberto Cavelli uh, had uh, his photo shoot, and there's some of the most beautiful photos of him, and it was compared, he was compared to Marlon Brando. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2010, it was reported that uh, Pete would be taking the lead role opposite Charlotte Gainsbourg. I love her. In Alfred uh, Alfred de Musette's autobiographical novel La Confession d'un enfant du siècle, mm-hmm. which translates in to um, Child of the Century, Confessions of a Child of the Century. Yeah. So I love that book. And I've never seen them film though. No, me neither. Um, it was it was uh, screened at the 2012 Cannes Film Festival. Charlotte Gainsbourg, she deserves an episode. A hundred percent. And we haven't even done Jane yet. Oh my god. There's so many left. It's like this is never ending. Mm. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. We'll get on those for sure. So one thing that we didn't talk about in this episode because it wasn't really about her, Kate. Kate. Yeah. So he met Kate Moss at um, in 2005 at her 31st birthday party, and they had an on and off relationship for several years. And so she also sang on some of his tracks. Like, do you remember that song, uh, La Belle et la, la Belle et la Bête? Bet, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so she'd she'd sing on some of his um she'd go to some of his shows and sing on stage. Yeah. Like there's a weird YouTube video of the two of them. It looks like a home movie and he just like comes in with a guitar and then she comes in in this like beautiful white dress and sits on this like swing and they're like sort of singing at each other and it like is all romantic but obviously they're well I mean obviously but like they're probably both kind of fucked up yeah they're both partiers at that point Kate Moss is like the ultimate party queen yeah of that she liked those rock stars oh yeah she did um, <laughs> yeah, so they were engaged to be married, which obviously they didn't. And it was in the two thousand. It was in two thousand and eight that he won that uh, Hero of the Year award. <laughs> oh so like, right when all this shit's happening, and it's like, really seriously. <laughs> so in two thousand and seven, he was briefly engaged to a fashion model named Irina Lazaranio. Okay, and we know that he has a son named Astiel, who's actually fifteen now. Time is such a crazy thing. But he also has a daughter. No way. Who was born in 2011 to um, a South African model named Lindy Hingston. Wow. So the latest thing that he's released in terms of an album was the 2016 Hamburg demonstrations. Okay. I haven't heard it. And if you Google Pete Doherty 2018, one of the first articles that pops up is him being assisted walking from his car to the hotel. Oh, no. His hair is completely gray. What? He is bloated. No. He's got a big belly. Is He's oh. wearing track pants that are almost falling down. And they're like, he was jet lagged. So, Sounds more like alcohol. Right? Yeah. So... He's got this album. He's touring this summer. Wow. He And he has been touring. And I've been kind of watching. But he doesn't leave the UK. And sometimes yeah. he goes to France. And that's huh. it. Yeah. I don't know if it's because it was like past. Um, Maybe it's difficult you know, for like him to get. Hard to get a visa. Yeah. Hard to get a working thing. A working permit anywhere. But um, 
I've seen like a couple of interviews that he did online recently. And like while I'm very happy that he's not dead, yeah. I can only imagine what kind of artist he would be, what kind of poet he would be, what kind of beautiful human yeah. like inside and out he would be. If he took care of himself. If he would have t- been able to take care of himself. But, you know, like, I don't want to blame him. No. We don't want to, like, this is a story about addiction and, and raising awareness. It's hard. Which is, yeah. I guess, what this episode is maybe yeah. talking about. Um, but it completely took, it took a lot away from him. You know, it's obviously like the photos that, like, did you even know he had a daughter? Like, no. no. Is there a lot of stuff about him and his daughter online? No. Um, the one article that you do see is like she had a christening he wasn't there Mm. and so it's just like it's really sad and I tried to see if I could get a hold of Jacqueline in any way but like she's not online she's not she's not on Facebook and so it's just kind of sad man there's like there's no real there's no real tie up or wrap up to this except it's just wild that that he's still here that he's still here that I remember totally glamorizing him yeah totally he was a total fantasy Mm -hmm. and now just like it's happened before where we've just like the bubble has burst where you see things for what they really are and you're like shit i an ex-boyfriend of mine who's the sweetest guy ever um definitely sort of glamorized the whole rock and roll he was a musician i think a lot of people because you know your idols went through that phase you think Maybe I have to go through that phase, too, to be, like, a real artist or something. Or, uh, unfortunately, he passed away. Oh, no. Yeah, just a couple years ago. And uh, it's just such a loss. Like, you don't need to go down that way to be an artist. You know, you don't. That's not what gives these amazing musicians, these amazing artists their talent the talent's Mm -hmm. already there you know and in the end most of the time these drugs do the opposite they take away what's good they're not adding to it you know the Mm -hmm. longer especially the longer you you take them and everything you know Mm -hmm. then you're just trying to chase you know what you once had yeah yeah but it's tough i mean with addiction especially you know and with how many times he was in rehab and everything uh with he's Pete. probably been since right i mean yeah. that book was in 2007 and uh, with that it's like you have to really want to change you can't just go in because people are you know forcing you to or you know you feel pressure or whatever like that's that's a real decision that a person has to make and even when you have made that decision that doesn't mean there's like not slip-ups and everything you know that's part of it too it's it's there's no one road either you know every addict has a different road and a different road to recovery if they're if they're lucky and they make it to that point so i think he is maybe almost 40 yeah he looks older than that um but having said that like I would still love to see him live, you know, if I happen to be in the right place at the right time. And I just like sincerely like hope for the best for him. And I hope that there's a relationship between him and his mom. And I know that him and his dad 
weren't talking mm. for a long time because his dad just couldn't like handle that pain anymore yeah. but uh yeah addiction is a serious thing so sex drugs and rock and roll that was a that was a drugs episode for you and yeah. guess what it didn't end up super happy no. so and yeah if anyone else is like going through similar things you know there are ways out of it yeah yeah doesn't have to be the, the you know the end result yeah yeah that's right Pete. do you have a favorite um like libertine song or baby shambles oh my goodness i don't know i did get to see the libertines live though oh cool they were fun where it was here it might, i think it was like the opera house or something it was like a smaller venue oh it was either phoenix or the opera house wow yeah must have been amazing yeah I really like uh, the Baby Shambles song, What Katie Did. Yeah. <laughs> and that's Moss, right? Yeah. 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 That one's a good one. Yeah. Well, all right. All right. I mean, sorry, guys. Sometimes they end on bummers. Sometimes we have bummer episodes. But uh, we'll make sure that the one after that is maybe more lighthearted. Yeah. And, and yeah, we got some interviews coming up that won't <gasps> be bummers. So. Oh, you got some interviews coming up that are not going to be bummers. And also, you know, that was a bit of an experimental uh, episode where we just had a bit more of a little conversation because yeah. the book wasn't very long. And, so let us you know, know your thoughts on this. Do you like episodes like this? Like, do you want more? Yeah. And also, do you have any groupie stories? Yeah. Are you a groupie? Are you a former groupie? Are you a retired groupie yeah. do you have any funny stories have you ever been on tour funny things happen on tour you can tell us um, if you want to be an anonymous you can be anonymous yeah. and if you want us to read the uh read it yeah on an episode, let us know just email us at muses and stuff at gmail.com yeah. we're on and instagram we're as on well. instagram we know that you guys have some great stories and if you want to share them you can tell us your name and if you want to be anonymous, we'll um, you anonymous that would be really fun to get some like real life like modern groupie stories yeah maybe we'll throw in a couple of our own <gasps> okay <laughs> all right well can't wait um to hear all about your england adventure uh, links and yeah. again check the instagram and facebook I'll keep my and eye out for pete <gasps> keep an eye out you just <laughs> never know especially with that lucky girl that you've got yeah, with you lisa lisa lucky lisa you never know what's gonna happen exactly we'll get this all right everybody thanks for listening see you next week what you gonna do Katie? you're a sweet sweet girl but it's a cruel cruel world a cruel cruel world but things are not too strong Katie. Hurry up, Mrs. Brown. I can feel it coming down, and it won't take none too long. But since you said goodbye, the polka dots fill my eyes, and I don't know why. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But Wait, the excitement doesn't end there as we bid farewell to season 
one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of Season 2. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you. And let's make Season 2 even more memorable together.